0: Okay, so any form of sickness or disease is going to kill, steal, and destroy from you. How many times have you called in to work because of a sickness? Or a headache, for example, has stopped you from meeting a friend for lunch. It's killing, it's stealing, it's destroying. That's the enemy. John 10.10, that's from the enemy. How about when you start aging and you start thinking that, um, you know, your health is declining because of your aging, who do you think that comes from? It doesn't come from God. God gives you long life, and God will help you get to your next birthday, but God is not causing you to age. He's not causing you to have crippled hands or have arthritis or have, have all of these problems with your body. You know what I'm saying? It's the enemy that comes to kill, steal, and destroy. When Adam and Eve were on the earth, before the curse they, they were old and they didn't have any problems, right? Like, sickness didn't even enter until sin entered the world. And that's how sickness and disease and aging and aches and pains entered into the earth. And so now we experience that because of the darkness that entered the earth, but it's not from God, amen? And so we want to go over those kinds of things so that you understand God didn't give you sickness, He didn't put it on you to teach you a lesson. He's not keeping you sick. He's not withholding healing from you. The Bible says that God, who did not spare his own son, Jesus Christ, how will he not now with Jesus Christ freely give you all things? Amen. If God didn't spare Jesus and gave us Jesus Why would he spare healing a headache? Why would he hold back from healing cancer or arthritis or a broken bone or a sprained ankle? Why would he hold back? He wouldn't. He wouldn't hold that back because he already gave us everything that he is. He gave us the most important thing to him in the whole wide universe, and that's Jesus Christ. And if he didn't hold back, the most important thing to him... He wouldn't hold back the least important thing either. Amen. So we want to establish those things so that you understand, because how can you resist sickness if you think it's from God, right? You can't fight against it. If you think God is trying to teach you a lesson, you know, that's why we we have hospitals. People are resisting sickness, going to the hospitals, they're resisting sickness, going to the doctor's. But some somewhere along the way, religion makes people crazy when it comes to healing in Jesus Christ. They say, well, God is trying to teach me something. Well, if God's trying to teach you something by being sick, then you going to the doctor means you're out of the will of God. And we know that's just ridiculous, isn't it? That's just idiotic thinking. So we know that God is light, God is life, God is love, and he's never... Ever going to put sickness on us? He's not going to keep sickness on us, he's not going to hold back our healing. So, that's good news for you today because that means that you can be healed today, and you don't even have to wait until the end of healing school to be healed. You should just take it as soon as the Holy Spirit quickens something to you. Just say, I don't care if you say it out loud, just say, I receive it. You can say it quiet, you can say, I receive it. <laughs> Or however you want to do it. You don't even have to say it. Just in your heart say. And then you receive it. And just be healed right where you sit. You don't have to wait for some particular time during healing school to receive healing. Amen? So just take it whenever it comes. Amen. And it's coming. We know that um, God is never separate from his power. The power of God is present to heal. God is always present with us. He's in us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us, right? So by the scriptures, we know that God is always here. We know he sent his word to heal us and delivered us from our destructions. And we know, we know he's here and available. Amen. Yeah. Let's look at uh, Matthew chapter 17. We're going to turn to three openings this morning because we're going to get back into the popping apart the miracles and kind of look at the anatomy of these miracles. Find out what's going on in these miracles. I'm sorry, did you need something? This was looking right here. Okay. Okay. So we're going to pop apart these miracles and find out what is in the anatomy of the miracle. And we're going to find out uh, what the Lord has for us today. Amen. So we're going to open to Matthew chapter 17. And then Mark chapter 9 and Luke chapter 9. Matthew 17, Mark 9, and Luke 9. I'm just going to get a bookmark here and hold this page. Hold this one. So we can flip back and forth. Do you guys have your Bibles all opened and ready? Okay, so this is the incidence of the lunatic child, is what we're going to pretty much call this. Now, before I start reading the scriptures here, I want you to notice something when we're reading these scriptures. I want you to notice that the devil likes to make a scene. He is very dramatic. He likes to make big scenes of things, and you'll see that in this. In this, because if he can make a scene, he can get you focused on him and not focused on the word and not focused on the Christ. And that's what he's trying to do here. So, uh, Matthew chapter 17, verse 14, is where I'm going to start. This is right after Jesus comes down from the Mount of Transfiguration. In fact, Luke in Luke says it's the next day, but it's right—it's like right after. It's recorded after it, um, and we can kind of see that. I'll talk more about that later if the Lord opens that up for you. Um, Matthew seventeen fourteen it says, and when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man, kneeling down to him and saying, "Lord, have mercy on my son." For he is lunatic, and sore vexed. For oftentimes he falleth into the fire, and oft into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples, then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could we not cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, Ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to a yonder place, And it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you, howbeit this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. Now let's read, keep your place there, and we'll read uh, Mark chapter 9. That's funny I put both my bookmarks in Luke. Mark chapter 9 and we're going to start in verse 17 and read that account. These are different accounts of the exact same healing. Mark 9:17. And one of the multitude answered and said, "Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit." Everyone say dumb spirit. Dumb dumb spirit. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that funny? <laughs> okay. I know it means that he can't speak, but you know, still, it's kind of funny to me. It's funny to me. And wheresoever he talketh, wheresoever he taketh him, he tears him, and he foams and gnashes with his teeth and pines away. And I spake to your disciples, and they could not that they should cast him out, and they could not. And Jesus answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him. They brought the boy unto Jesus. And when Jesus saw him, straightway the spirit tore the boy, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And Jesus asked his father, How long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, Of a child. And oftentimes it casts him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believes. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit And saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him, and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried, and rent him sore, which is tearing him and causing problems in him, and came out of him, and he was as one dead, insomuch that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, and lifted him up, and he arose. And when his disciples came into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast him out? And he said unto them, this kind can come forth by nothing but prayer and fasting. Now, I know you're thinking some things, but just hold on. Let's read the account of Luke. Okay. And then we'll go through and we'll talk about these situations. Luke chapter Nine verse 37 is where we'll start. 37. And it came to pass that on the next day, when they were come down from the hill, much people met him. And behold, a man of the company cried out, saying, Master, I beseech thee, look upon my son, for he is mine only child. And lo, a spirit taketh him, and he suddenly crieth out, and it teareth him that he foams again, and bruising him hardly, departing from him. And I besought your disciples to cast him out, and they could not. And Jesus answering said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and suffer you? Bring thy son hither. And when he was yet coming, the devil threw him down and tear him. And Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the child and delivered him again to his father. And they were all amazed at the mighty power of God. But while they wondered, every one at all things which Jesus did, he said unto his disciples, Let these sayings sink down into your ears, for the Son of Man shall be delivered into the hands of men. But they understood not this saying, and it was hid from them that they perceived it not, and they feared to ask him what the saying was. So, back over in matthew and mark the disciples came to jesus and they besought him asking why they couldn't cast out the demons and we'll get to that in just a minute so the man comes to jesus remember we said that all the people that came to jesus were healed there wasn't one person in the bible that came to jesus that jesus didn't heal isn't that good news That's really good news because Jesus said, I only do what I see my Father do. I only say what I hear my Father say. So then Jesus saw, every person that came to Jesus, Jesus saw the Father healing them. And then Jesus healed them. That means every person that comes to Jesus, it is God's will for them to be healed. Amen. Every person. All the time. There's a theme going on here in healing school. We're finding out that it's 100% God's will to heal 100% of the people 100% of the time. And thank God it is, because if it was God's will to heal 99% of the people, most people would say, I'm that 1%. Most people would disqualify themselves. But the scriptures prove that it's always God's will to heal all people for all time. That he's not withholding. That he's not making you stay sick for even a moment longer. That it's always his will to heal. There's no question in God's mind. There's no question in Jesus' mind. There's no question in the scriptures. And we just have to settle it in our hearts. Amen? There should be no question in our mind. Is it God's will to heal me? Yes. The answer is yes. Yes, it is God's will to heal you. Is it God's will to heal me now? Yes. Yes. The answer is yes. It is God's will to heal you right now, right here. Well, what if I did it myself? Well, we've seen miracles that have happened where, you know, people were sinning. And we know because Jesus came along and said, go and sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. And we know that Jesus Christ healed all of the unbelievers. Right? Because he healed multitudes of people before he went to the cross and every single one of them were non-believers. Not one of them was saved. It wasn't possible to be saved before Jesus Christ died and rose again. And yet he healed multitudes. And if you can't get a room full of Christians together without having people that are walking in unforgiveness or backbiting or sinning You can't get a multitude of sinners together without somebody having something wrong in their life. And yet Jesus healed them all. That's good news for us, isn't it? So the man came to Jesus and he knelt down. And he said, Lord, have mercy. Or Lord, have compassion. Or master. So right here, this man that comes to Jesus, he's recognizing Jesus as Lord. That is the first thing you need to do in, the, in getting and receiving a miracle is recognize that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is master with everything that master entails. Amen. Amen. Sometimes people don't like to call somebody else master, especially in our day and age. They like the term Lord because it sounds nice and pretty. And master sounds like we're his slaves and he's our master. Well, you were a slave to sin. What's the big deal being a slave to righteousness or a slave to Jesus? We are slaves to Jesus. He is our master. And whatever he says, we're supposed to do it. Amen. We are supposed to obey our master. And if we're obeying our master and we're under our master's authority, then we receive everything our master has for us. We'll talk about authority later, but this is just planting it in your mind. If you're under your master's authority, then you will receive everything your master has for you. So if your master says, be a doer of the word, what are you going to do? Be a doer of the word. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So he's recognizing Jesus as master. And he says, I brought my son to you. And your disciples couldn't cast him out. So when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration, this man is bringing his son to Jesus through the disciples. Like in the natural realm, what it looks like is he's bringing his son to the disciples. But that's not what the man said. He said, I brought my son to you, even though Jesus is on the Mount of Transfiguration, and your disciples couldn't cast out the demon." When people come to us for healing, they're not coming to us. They're coming to Christ. They're not bringing their loved one to see you. They're not, even when you go and pray for someone, it's not you going to pray for them. It's you going in the name of Jesus. They're bringing, you're bringing Christ to them, or they're bringing themselves to Christ in you. Does that make sense? We have to understand that because a lot of people today kind of put it on themselves and say, well, I healed and I healed. And it's okay to use that language if you understand because we're not going to get we're not going to get like mixed up in language and start policing people. Right. But we have to understand that when this man brought his son, he brought him to Jesus, even though Jesus was up on the mountain. And the disciples were trying to cast out the demon, and they couldn't do it. Okay? Amen. This is going to help you when you're ministering and receiving healing. So the disciples, or Jesus said in that moment, "Oh, faithless and perverse generation, where's your faith? Why don't you believe that this can happen? What's going on? How long am I going to be here? And it wasn't very long that Jesus was going to be there. And how are you going to fare when I'm in heaven? Really? If you can't have faith when I'm standing on this mountain and my disciples are right here, what's going to happen later when I'm in heaven at the right hand of God? And you have to have faith in order to believe this without me physically present. Right? Many people believe, Christians all over the globe believe, if Jesus Christ showed up, I would 100% receive my healing. Many people believe that. Well, I have news for you. Christ did show up. He shows up in every single person that's trying to minister healing or preach the gospel. In every person that is born again and praying for you, that is Jesus Christ showing up. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. That's Jesus showing up. That's the kingdom of God has come near to you. Every single time. Every time I pray for you. Every time Denise prays for you. Every time Carolyn prays for you. Every time Judy prays for you. Every time Karen, when she's here. Every time somebody prays for you. That's Jesus Christ showing up to pray for you. When you understand that, when you let that sink in, when you really realize that, it's going to be able for you to receive from anybody. It doesn't matter who it is praying for you, what they have going on in their life. If you know they're born again and you know it's Christ in them praying for you, you would not have troubles receiving. Amen. That's just a a little adjustment that we can do on the inside of us. Amen. So that we can receive better. This man brought his son to Jesus, but when Jesus wasn't present, only in the hands of the disciples. So when people bring the sick in to you to lay hands on the sick, they're not bringing them to you. That's good news, because you don't know how to cure cancer. If you did, you'd have a Nobel Prize, and you probably wouldn't be sitting in this room. But Christ knows how to cure cancer. And you don't know how to fix a broken bone. And neither do I. I don't even know the name of the bone. Much less what it looks like or where it's supposed to be. You, you don't want me to be your surgeon is what I'm saying. I don't know the body like God knows the body. But God knows the body. He created it and he can create anything else that needs to be created on the inside of you and if you will see that that it doesn't matter the person that's praying for me it's christ in them praying for me you can receive anything amen amen so here's this man talking to jesus jesus says bring him to me and the devil is making a scene the devil is throwing the kid into the fire throwing him into the water, throwing him down on the ground, making him foam at the mouth. All this stuff is going on. The devil's like, look at me, look at me, look at me. And here in, let me see, I think it's Luke. Yes, it's in Luke. Chapter 9, verse 20, it says, And they brought him unto Jesus, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground, wallowed, foaming. And Jesus asked the father, How long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said of a child. So Jesus is trying to get the father's mind off of the dramatic scene that's going on. I mean, if you can just imagine for a moment, if you see your child in pain, or if you see your child laying on the ground, foaming at the mouth, it's going to be hard for you to do anything. You want to help your child, right? I mean, this this was a real man. This really happened. His child was really vexed with an unclean spirit, and this unclean spirit really threw him in the fire and really threw him in the water trying to kill him and really caused him to fall down on the ground and foam at the mouth and wallow out on the ground. There's a big scene going on. Something's happening here. It's really real in the physical, and Jesus starts talking to the Father as if to say, don't look at this, what's going on, just look at me. Jesus got his attention. How long has this been happening? And the father answered Jesus and said, of a child, since he was a little child. And then he talks, and oftentimes cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But the man says, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus turns it right back around on the man and says, if you can believe, it's not if I can do anything, Jesus says, it's if you can believe, all things are possible for them that believe. If you can believe that I can do it, it'll happen. And Jesus is saying that same thing to you. If you can believe that Jesus can heal you, that he will heal you, it will happen. Amen. Which is why we spend a lot of time talking about God's will to heal. Which is why I reiterate over and over and over, it's 100% God's will to heal, 100% of the people, 100% of the time. Stop disqualifying yourself from receiving healing from God. I, there's reasons, there's excuses, whatever that is going on. Let that go and take on to you the scriptures that it is 100% God's will to heal 100% of the people 100% of the time. Amen. That's good news. That means you're included. That means you're included. If you weren't here for the first healing school and you need that CD where we proved through the scriptures that it's 100% of uh, God's will to heal 100% of the people 100% of the time then um, let Denise know and we will get that to you either through the link online or we'll give you a CD if we have them and we'll get it to you if not this week then next week but you've got to settle you've got to settle it that you're not just, you're not excluded from God's healing power you're not the one person that the power of God won't work for hallelujah Do you know that's pride? I I know I'm touching on something here because the Holy Spirit is leading me down this way. But did you know that that's pride to think that you're so bad that the power of God won't work for you? That's pride. That's you having more faith in your ability to sin and mess things up than you have in the power of God. You're basically saying God is greater than the enemy in my case. In every other case, the blood of Jesus is enough. The stripes of Jesus are enough. But in my case, it's not quite enough. Is that pride? That's pride. That's putting yourself above the blood of Jesus. That's putting yourself above Jesus Christ's power. You're not the one person that the power of God won't work for. We've got to get rid of that thinking. As other ministers have said, that's stinking (laughs) thinking. It's terrible. Okay, so the devil is making a scene, and Jesus brings the focus of the father back. If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. And straightway, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Help me in this situation. And in verse 25, it says, When Jesus saw that the people came running together, remember the devil likes to make a scene. When Jesus saw the people come running together, straight away, Jesus Christ right then He rebuked the foul spirit saying, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter him no more. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him. Jesus saw that the enemy was going to try to make a really big scene. Because the the unclean spirit knew that Jesus Christ was speaking the truth. If you can believe, all things are possible to them that believe. So instead of... Like the father is not focusing on the enemy anymore. And the unclean spirit wants to stay. He's not going to move Jesus. He's lost his influence over the father because now the father is looking at Jesus. And so the only thing he can do at this point is make a big enough scene for all the people to come running and bring all the unbelief in. And Jesus, in his wisdom, said, Thou deaf and dumb spirit, get out of him and don't come back. Yes? What scripture were you just reading? Luke chapter 9. And we're reading in verse 24. Mm -hmm. 23 is when Jesus says, If thou canst believe, all things are possible. 24, And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears... Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And the next 125 when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying, Oh, it is Mark. Yeah, say, yeah. Yeah. It's right, it says Mark right here on my Bible. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Lord, I know how to read. Help me know how to read. Help me, Lord. He helps. Thank you for saying that. It's Mark, actually, chapter 9, verse 23 and on. And then in verse 26, the Spirit rent him sore. The Spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him. So he was trying to make one last hurrah to get all the people that are running to see and to stumble over their faith and to not have faith that Jesus can do this and came out. And then the child looked like he was dead. So much that all the people started saying, oh, wow, he's dead. That spirit killed him. He's dead. Did you see that? Jesus tried to cast him out. The disciples couldn't do it. And then Jesus did it. And yeah, he left him, but look, he killed him. He's dead. I mean... No wonder Jesus said, you faithless and perverse generation, how long will I have to suffer you? How long am I with you? So Jesus takes the kid by the hand and raises him up. And he was healed and delivered and made whole. Amen. Praise God. So I want to deal with what it says in Matthew. And Matthew chapter 9, I'm sorry, 17. The Lord is helping me. After the disciples are asking, and actually in Mark 2, this it is it in Mark, that this kind doesn't come out except by prayer and fasting. There's a whole lot of people in this world that say this kind of demon doesn't come out but except by prayer and fasting. This kind of spirit doesn't come out except by prayer and fasting. But that is taking the Bible out of context. Because if we look in Matthew chapter 17, Jesus is saying in verse 20, when the disciples are asking, Jesus answered unto them and said, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith... As a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove; and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit this kind goeth out goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. This kind of what? What's the subject of this passage? Because of your unbelief. That is the subject of the passage. The whole passage is about this You know, the whole question is about why can't we cast out this unclean spirit or this demon? And Jesus' answer isn't that the demon is too powerful for you. That's not what he said. He said it's because of your unbelief. And this kind of unbelief only comes out by prayer and fasting. Amen. So what we're looking at here is, and Jesus says it, he deals with the Father. He says, if you can believe, all things are possible to them that believe. The disciples couldn't believe. And they couldn't believe because of something called natural unbelief. There's different types of unbelief. There's skepticism. There's people who are refusing to believe God. There's false teaching. Somebody taught you wrong and told you that healing's not for today, and it doesn't line up with the scriptures, but you believed it. You're just believing a lie. There's a lack of trust. You don't trust God. You don't believe his word, right? But then there's something called natural unbelief, and that comes just by natural circumstances, It's what you see, it's what you hear, it's what you feel, it's what you experience, it's what you know. It's the natural stuff, right? Which is why the devil tried so hard to make a scene. Because every time the devil could make a scene, he's spreading natural unbelief. Oh, this is a big one. Oh, this is a hard one. Sure, we cast out a dumb spirit over here. I mean, if you can just imagine with me and the disciples when they're trying to cast this thing out and it's not leaving sure we cast out a dumb spirit over here and a deaf one over here but they didn't wallow and foam on the ground like this guy they weren't thrown into the fire and thrown into the water and crying out and, and these demons that we cast out over here they may have cried out but they weren't rending them sore they weren't tearing him and You know what I'm saying? Like the disciples are dealing with some natural unbelief by what they see, by what they hear, by what they experience, by what they feel. Pain, for example, is a natural unbelief. If you have pain in your body, that creates natural unbelief because the truth is you're already healed. The word of God says you're already healed. It says by his stripes you were healed. But pain creates natural unbelief. The father said, I believe, help my unbelief. It's kind of like this, and I think Andrew Womack explained it like this, which was really great. He explains it like you have a horse over here and a horse over here. This one is your faith horse or your belief, and this one is your unbelief horse over here, okay? And they're both pulling, And if your faith horse is pulling as hard as your unbelief horse, where are you going to go? Nowhere. Because they're both pulling at equal equal pulls, right? But if you could be feeding and feeding your faith, and your body can be in a lot of pain, and you're feeding your unbelief at the same time. I'm reading scriptures, and I'm feeling pain. I'm reading scriptures, and I'm seeing something wrong with me. I'm reading scriptures, and I'm experiencing something here and and it can be pulling you like this both ways and you go nowhere you can be watching tv and you can be watching the ads on tv that tell you about all of these medications that you're going to need when you're older and what they do and what the side effects are and you can be talking to your friends who are telling you about their pains and their experiences and how they're losing their mind and how they're, they're just not as fast as they used to be and they just not they don't have as much energy as they used to have. That is building up natural unbelief in you. This kind of unbelief, this natural unbelief, what you see, what you hear, what you feel, what you experience... The physical, natural unbelief, it only comes out by prayer and fasting. That's it. When you start denying your body food, your body starts listening to what you have to say. Your body's not going to listen to you if it's never hungry. If you're never, it won't. It's just going to do what it does. It's going to give you and speak to you all it wants to say. But when you start denying your body food and you start fasting, your body starts saying, what's going on? I better listen and find out what's going on. And if you're spending that time reading the word and soaking in the word, you're building your faith and killing your unbelief. But if you're fasting and watching TV, you're not filling up on the word. You're not changing anything. Does that make sense? You're not changing anything. Your body's still speaking to you. Now you got the TV speaking to you. If you're calling your friend and your friend is telling you about all their woes, about how they couldn't get out of their car at the shopping center and how the bags were heavy and they used to be able to climb up the stairs, but now they can't. I mean, God love them, but i got to go. i got to hang up on that unbelief. I'm not going to entertain those experiences anymore I love you friend but I'm not going to listen to that I know you're hurting but Jesus is the answer come to healing school with me come see me on Wednesdays I'll see you at healing school you're my friend I love you I care about you this is the best place for you I'll see you at healing school right right But if you stay on the phone and let them talk and talk and rehearse all their woes, you're not helping them. That's not love, you guys. I'm telling you, knowing what I know, and I don't know everything, but knowing the little I do know of the scriptures, that is not love. You're allowing them to solidify that pain and agree with it, and they want you to agree with it? Doesn't the Bible say that if two or more on this earth agree touching anything? Do you know it doesn't just say, if two or more on this earth agree touching the good things from God, so shall it be established. It says if two or more on this earth agree touching anything, that means you can have faith to stay sick. And you misery loves company. You can find a friend that you can call up and talk about your sickness and talk about your disease, and they'll say, girl or boy, I know how you feel. I know what you're going through because this is what I'm going through. This is what Aunt so-and-so went through. This is what my mom experienced. This is the pathology of it. This is what you're about to experience. And you can start dreading it, and you can experience it. Because if two or more on earth agree as touching anything— so shall that thing be established. That's how we establish sickness. We don't even need the enemy to help us. But if we refuse that unbelief, that natural unbelief, and we start shutting down those channels of natural unbelief, shut off the TV, shut off the conversations with friends that are negative, I mean, I'm not saying don't ever talk to your friends. I'm saying redirect it to the positive over and over again. Or find yourself somebody in healing school. That's what Denise is here for. That's what Judy's here for. You know, find somebody in healing school that you can talk to, that can stand with you in faith, that is willing to talk about the goodness of God instead of the pains and aches. Amen. Go ahead. thing of being mom, and her daughter's 15, she just turned 15, and she's having issues with the other girls the school. And it's, it all amounts to because she's beautiful, and they're jealous of her. And I said, my, I said to my daughter, I said, you're involved too much. Just let them fight their own battles. Mm-hmm. It was exactly what you said. I wasn't going to hang up on her, but I was there to tell her, you need to back off and give this to God. You need mm-hmm. to let them fight their own battle. I said, you should know because you went through the same thing, Heidi. I said, leave it alone. It's none of your business. You need to turn up to God. It's in control anyway. Stop. So you wanted her to stop talking about that? Yes. Yeah, so yeah. I said, you need to stop. Turn a- Just turn away. I, I just want you to notice I'm not commenting on the parenting because I'm not going to agree or disagree with that. Yeah. But, I'm gonna, but I can see what you're saying. You wanted her to stop complaining about it all. Yeah and stop agreeing with it. She was so stressed out. She was crying, and she was losing her hair. I'm like, got to take it to Jesus. Amen. (laughs) Take it to Jesus. Amen. Stop dwelling on it. Stop feeding that. But you know, this kind of natural unbelief only comes out by prayer and fasting. When you're praying, you're talking to God. You're focused on God. That's what Jesus did with this man. He said that his kid is over here foaming at the mouth, flopping like a fish on the ground, wallowing over there. And Jesus says, how long has he been there? Jesus, what he was doing is saying to the father, hey, focus on me. Don't focus on what your kid is doing. Don't focus on the enemy. Focus on me. Focus on me. And when you're praying, you're focusing on Jesus. You're talking to the father. You're talking to God. So if your focus is on God, and then you're fasting. Fasting TV, fasting food, making your body hungry. I mean, if you can't fast because of a health reason, I would encourage you to talk to your doctor and get yourself in a position where you can fast, if that's possible, or fast something, fast sugar. No doctor is going to tell you not to fast sugar, and if they do, you probably need another doctor. (laughs) Fast sugar. Fast your favorite something. Fast it. it. Cause your body to be shocked and awake and say, whoa, whoa, what's going on? And then your flesh will start focusing on the spirit in you, and you can tell it. Hey, the word of God says that by his stripes we're healed. We're not listening to that pain. We're listening to Jesus. We're not going to listen to that experience. We're going to listen to the word of God. That's the only way to get natural unbelief out is by prayer and fasting, giving yourself over to prayer and fasting. If something's not moving in your life, and you already know you've forgiven everyone, you did something good for that person last week like, like Jeannie told you to, You already know you're good there. And you still haven't seen great results. Maybe start praying and fasting. Put your focus on Jesus. Put your focus on his word. Amen? Start seeing God, what is it that I need from you? Your word has healed me. I know it has healed me. I'm going to focus on you. I'm going to steep myself in these healing scriptures and know of a surety that I am healed. The devil's going to try to make a scene. He is. He always has. It's worked in the past. He's going to do it again. But he's dumb. It says right here in the Bible, is a dumb spirit. Right? He's dumb. I love that God does that. I think it's so funny. It's hilarious. He's dumb. He's going to try something that he's always done. Because it's always worked. But we're not going to let it work this time. It doesn't matter what kind of a scene he makes. Jesus Christ has healed you. Right? Amen. It doesn't matter what kind of a scene. It doesn't matter if that pain is screaming at you. Jesus Christ has healed you. You know, we get into what's called unbelief when we stop saying I'm healed and start saying, why doesn't it work? Mm-hmm. When I first started like after the first healing crusade we had where God told me to have the healing crusade and a hundred percent of the people would be healed, that was I mean that was faith building. I'm telling you that was like whoa. I knew God's voice. I went to pray for people after that and I was seeing a lot of people get healed. But it wasn't a hundred percent, you know. And so I—I I, I mean, it hurts when you leave somebody and they haven't received, and you know they can, and you know it's God's will, and you know, like you know, God isn't withholding. And you know, then we start hearing things like, well, maybe it's their unbelief, maybe it's them. But then you also have to examine yourself and say, maybe it's me. Maybe I don't have enough faith, right? And go back and forth like that. And then I started seeing less and less, and I started asking God, God, why isn't this working? So I started researching why healing doesn't work. And, I mean, I researched and I read every book I could find on the subject, every PDF I could download from the Internet and print out. Like, I mean, I'm reading all these things. Why isn't it working? Why isn't it working? Why isn't it working? And I saw less and less and less. Why isn't it working? Why isn't it working? And I saw less and less and less. And finally I started crying out to God, God, what the heck? We went from so much healing to hardly any. What's going on? And the Lord spoke to me in the spirit and he said, stop focusing on why it doesn't work and start focusing on why it does. And I took that correction, and then we saw more and more and more and more. And every time we focus on Jesus and why it does work, why healing is a thing, why it is for you, why it is for today, why you can be healed, we see more healings and more healings and more healings and more healings, right? God doesn't want us to make a doctrine out of one experience why somebody, like we minister to someone and they don't get healed. We never want to make a doctrine out of that, and, I, and unfortunately, that's what religion has done over the years, and that's where we get these whole teachings about unforgiveness. Do people have unforgiveness? Yes. Did it stop one or two people from receiving healing? According to what we know by the word of knowledge in that particular case, yes. According to what I know spiritually, unforgiveness is nasty, It's nasty. It's like drinking poison and waiting for someone else to die. But is that going to stop the power of God? Based on Jesus' example, I'm going to say no. Because if Jesus healed multitudes and they had unforgiveness, it didn't stop. But what I am going to say, and I think Curry Blake says this as well, if you continue doing what you did to get sick in the first place... You're inviting it back in. So if you have bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart and you think that's stopping you from receiving, why not just rectify it? If somebody keeps coming to your mind when I'm saying this, why not just forgive them? Why not just let it go? Why not just let it go? Can you get healed and be in unforgiveness? Yes, you can. I've seen it. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in my life. I had unforgiveness towards someone and God still healed me of things I know he heals even if you have unforgiveness but you know what I would have got sick again if I didn't deal with my own heart if I didn't deal with myself and get over it and let go of that person and release them from everything that they ever did to me wrong I mean, it takes a lot for me to be upset with someone. I will admit that. I give people a lot of chances and a lot of tries. There are some things, though, that, you know, but forgiveness and reconciliation are two different things, right? Like you can forgive someone and not invite them back in your life. Amen. And that's okay. That's healthy, okay? But it's not going to stop God from healing you, but it will make you sick again. It'll make you sick again really fast. Does that make sense? Like Jesus said to the man at the pool of Bethesda when he found him later in the synagogue. Remember, he got healed at the pool. He didn't know who healed him. Jesus saw him in the synagogue. And Jesus said to him, see, you have been made whole. Remember, you were sick. Now you've been made whole. Go and sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. And what's worse than a gradual sickness? An immediate sickness. It's not rocket science. But we have many theologians that help us misunderstand the word. They really do. They make it hard. And Jesus makes it so, so simple. He makes it simple for us. By his stripes, you were healed. Nothing is blocking the power of God Jesus only gave two reasons in the scriptures, traditions of man and unbelief. And when you're holding to a tra- tradition of man, you're not believing the scriptures. So really only one, and that's unbelief. And we found out today that this kind of unbelief can come out through prayer and fasting. All you have to do is fast and pray. And that natural unbelief is going to go away. Amen. Amen. How do you get rid of the unbelief that comes with false teachers? Stop listening to false teachers. (laughs) Read the word of God. Start figuring out what the Bible actually says. Find out if it's true that by his stripes you were healed. Find out if Jesus Christ really died on the cross for you. Find out if it's really God's will to heal you. It is. I know it is. I've read it. I'm, I'm convinced. It's settled in heaven. It's settled in me. And I want you to settle it in you. It's 100% God's will to heal, 100% of the people, 100% of the time. He's never withholding. If you think he's withholding, what is that? Unbelief. That probably came from false teaching. Somebody probably told you that healing has passed away. Somebody probably told you that you could be healed if Jesus Christ was physically standing here, but because it's not Jesus standing here and it's somebody else standing here, you probably won't receive. Unbelief. How do you get rid of that? Remember, start recognizing Christ is in us. Start remembering Christ is in you, Christ is in me. You could pray for me and I could be healed. You could pray for me and I could be healed. Any one of you could pray for me and I could be healed because Christ is the one that's doing the healing. Amen. I had one woman, she's precious. I love her so much. She's in heaven now. So, unfortunately, she left Earth, I think, earlier than she should have. I was ministering to her, and she was very, very sick. She had been bedridden for a long, long time. She was on hospice. I prayed for her, and she got up out of that bed, and she was so excited. And for the next three days, she cooked food for her family. She cleaned her house. I mean, she was perfectly well. For three days, she was perfectly well. And on the fourth day, she started doubting it. She started getting tired. I mean, if you're not doing anything for a few years and you get up and clean your whole house, you're going to be sore. I mean, just natural reasoning. Not, no sickness included. If you haven't ran a marathon and you go out and run one today, in a day and a half, you're going to be sore because that's how the bodies work, right? Like, it's just going to happen. Well, this stuff came... And she started resting and thinking maybe it didn't quite work, maybe it didn't take, maybe I lost my healing, and she was back in bed. So I was talking to her husband, because I'd see him once in a while at at the school, and then I found out that she was back in bed. And I said, Well, let me come back over and I'll pray for her. Okay. So I prayed for her for three days. She's up. (laughs) She's excited, she's cleaning her house, she's cooking a meal for her husband, she's doing all this stuff, and about the fourth day, she starts slowing down and slowing down and, you know. And she's she's reading the Bible. She's got she's got a whole bedside table full of medicine, all different kinds of medicines and healing, you know, things. She's got a walker. She's got all kinds of medical stuff over here. And then she's got her journal and she's got her Bible and she's got TBN on. And, like, she's really fighting this fight, you know what I mean? So I come in. And I pray for her, and she gets up out of bed, and she's excited, and her husband's excited, and three or four days go by, and she's all happy, and then she starts going back into that same environment. She didn't put away the walker. She didn't put away the medicine. She just kind of laid back down in bed and let her husband start getting stuff for her again and again. And this went on for about two years, and um, finally it got so bad She went into a hospice, and um, I went to pray for her in the hospice, and she wasn't even able to walk. And then I prayed for her in the hospice, and she got up out of bed, and we walked all around the hospice thing. And I'm thinking, yeah, this is so great. We're going to overcome this, right? I mean, her legs had received strength. Her vitality was back. She looked good. She was up. She was walking to the amazement of all the nurses and everything. And she got back to the room and I sat her down and I gave her a hug and, you know, she said to me, I love you so much, Cindy, but you're no Lester Sumrall. And I thought, well, that's true, I'm not Lester Sumrall, like, it didn't, it didn't dawn on me, like, what she was saying at that moment, but when I left, that was the last time I ever saw her, because she said in her heart that because I wasn't some other minister, she couldn't receive a full healing. And people do this all the time. Because you're not Jesus Christ himself, I can't receive. Because you're not Lester Sumrall or Smith Wigglesworth or Kenneth Hagin, I can't receive. But did she receive? Yes, she did. Multiple times. I mean, this woman was healed, and then she was healed again, and then she was healed again. Over the course of two years, she was healed so many times up and moving and doing her thing and in the end she just couldn't get past that unbelief that because you're not this physical person it only works a little we have to check our hearts before I get prayer from someone I make sure I'm receiving from Jesus in them not from them before you get prayer from someone Make sure you're receiving from Christ in them and not from them. And I used to wonder, up until that point, I used to wonder why healing evangelists come out with big, flashy introductions and stuff. I used to wonder that. I did, and I thought, why are they doing this? It's because if they look bigger in the eyes of the people, the people can receive better. Did you know that? Mm -hmm. If they look more put together, like if you see me in my t-shirt, my jeans, and my my ponytail on cleaning day you're probably not going to think i carry the power of god so much as i do when my hair is fixed and my makeup is fixed and i'm all dressed up and my nails are done like i'm i'm serious you guys this is this is true this is a psychological fact that happens there's been so many psychology studies about this over time it's ridiculous how much it affects us it's natural unbelief what we see, what we hear, what we feel, what we experience. It's natural unbelief. That kind of unbelief only comes out through prayer and fasting. I mean, over in Africa, people got healed from blindness and deafness and dumbness. And uh, in Mesa, here, one of the, my favorite prayers at a different church was a little five year old boy came down to the altar. I was just a prayer minister, I wasn't anybody and uh he said the mom through a translator said he'd never spoken a word in his life and i just looked at him and i got down and i kneeled down and i said speak in the name of jesus and he said mama jesus jesus mama jesus because he didn't see me he saw jesus and then he wrapped his hands around me oh my gosh you guys the presence of god was so strong Like I felt like the cream in a Jesus sandwich. You know, like it was him and Jesus and I was the cream in the middle. It was the most powerful and amazing hug of real love that I think I've ever received in my entire life. And I'm clear that boy wasn't hugging me. He was hugging Christ in me. He saw Jesus. He left that altar speaking perfect Spanish like he'd ever spoken it in his whole life. I didn't know enough Spanish, so I know it wasn't me, right? Like, if he left speaking English, maybe. But he left speaking Spanish to his mama. And God is so good, but he didn't see me. He saw Jesus. And it's when your eyes are on Christ that you're going to receive healing. When your eyes are on the person, not so much. And that's natural unbelief. If it's a heart correction, let it be a heart correction. Oh, I, I was despising that minister because they this or they that or they look funny. And, hey, I understand. I have eyes too. I have ears too. Some people's voices are crazy and I don't like them. And some people don't wear the right clothes. And some people, you know, some people talk too fast or they don't talk fast enough or they say something or they have a weird accent or whatever get over it amen just receive the word of God that comes out of them receive the Holy Spirit that comes out of them and you'll find this too as you start ministering to people and that's why I try to wear nice clothes and to do my makeup and my hair and try not to come in here like a mess because I want people to be able to receive and I know that not everybody is going to like. I don't have time to walk everyone through that scenario you know what I'm saying Some people just don't have that much time left. (laughs) But if we can get our eyes off of who we are, off of who they are, and do our best to make ourselves look nice and presentable, we can overcome those kinds of objections when we're ministering to people. Amen? And then they can better receive. So that's kind of like receiving healing and ministering healing. I guess it's kind of both today, right? Um, How many of you are going to go out and lay hands on the sick this week? Amen. How many other of you are going to go lay hands on the sick this week? Amen. Come on. How many of you are going to wish you could lay hands on the sick this week? How many of you are going to sit in your car afraid and not do it? When those opportunities come, go and reach out and say, Jesus Christ healed you. I have a message for you. God sent me here so that you could receive healing. That's what you say. God sent me here so that you could receive healing. Do you think it was your idea to get up and go to the store at that exact moment? Maybe not. (laughs) Maybe not. Maybe it was the Holy Spirit leading you, guiding you, instructing you, helping you get there so that you could. God sent me here so that you could receive healing, Molly. Did you know that? God sent you here and he sent me here so that you could live and not die. And you will live and not die. Amen. Amen. Because I know you receive. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Amen. But let's get our eyes off of the person and get our eyes on the Christ inside. And we will receive. Amen. Don't forget, Cecil Paxton is coming on Sunday. He'll be here in the house ministering healing. And it's going to be a phenomenal time. If you know somebody that's sick, bring them. Get the word out. Let everyone know. you know, these are all the chairs we have, so tell them quickly. <laughs> Come early, because when they fill up, the rest of the people will be out there or something. But I know that the Lord has healing for you all. I hope that this has blessed you today, and it will bless you again next week. I hope to see you all next week. We're going to go into some more amazing healing scriptures and find out what the Lord has done. Amen? If you If you feel like you need to fast this week and you're under a doctor's care, please check with your doctor. I have to say that to you. I hate having to say that, but I have to say that. Um, Please check with your doctor about fasting. But if you feel, you know, if you can fast and you want to fast and you have natural unbelief, feel free to fast. You don't have to fast to receive healing, but if if your body is speaking louder than the Word of God, you might want to consider that. Amen? Mm -hmm. Let's stand and I'll close in prayer. Hallelujah. Denise and Judy, will you guys come to the front to pray for people? Thank you. Just take about half a step back. There, there, there you go. Yeah. Um, Denise, can you come over here just so that there's two people praying? You don't have to pray together. That's okay. So if you need healing in your body, if you have somebody that's been standing with you, go and receive prayer. Um, we're believing God that you're going to receive everything that God has for you today. If you're believing God for somebody else that's not here, please stand with one of our prayer ministers. Tell them. Let them stand with you, say a prayer with them in agreement. If two or more agree touching anything, so shall it be established for you. Amen? That's exciting. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus for your word that has come forth today. We know that it has touched our hearts. We know that you have sent your word and it has healed us and delivered us from our destructions. We know that your word brings life and help to our bodies. And we thank you for that, God. We thank you. Thank you, Lord that it doesn't have to be some spectacular thing, but it's very supernatural and it's happening, whether we perceive it or not in this moment, we are being healed. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay, I'll see you guys next week. Or Sunday. 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 Sunday.